Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Amen, amen. You know, there's something that I believe that the Lord wants us to say in this place this morning. And there's something that somebody needs to hear this. I don't know who it is in the place today, but I know this. For a long time, you've been walking down a dark road, and you remember God's goodness, but it's kind of faded on you. It's kind of grown distant and weary because of the season that you're in currently, but can I tell you that he's never failed you yet. And the words that you sing in this place today, Jesus is right here. And I don't know who this is for today, but I know that somebody is walking a lonely road, and it's dark, and God's faithfulness is, it seems pretty far away. The mountain looks really, really big, but can I tell you that Jesus has already said that through this faith, small as a mustard seed, you can tell the mountain, I see you, mountain, but you're going to move over here because God has a better plan for my life. And so whatever brought you into the room today, I don't know what it is, but I want you to know that you can leave in confidence knowing that God has a greater plan for your life than staring at the shadow of a mountain. He's got something for you. And we're going to believe that together today. Can we believe it together, church? That he has something for us specifically. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're overwhelmed by your goodness and your faith and your faithfulness and your grace. And so, God, we believe you when you say that you will move mountains for us. That your grace is great that you have something in store that maybe we can't see right now because it's so dark, but we remember the times where you were good. We remember the times where you were faithful, and so we declare it in the place today as a banner in our lives that you are faithful and nothing will thwart your plan for us. So be with us now as we dive into your word. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to church. So excited that you're joining us today. Man, it's so good to see everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Blake. I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the campus pastor here for the Gulf Coast campus. My wife and I, Lauren, we moved down just a few months ago here to the wonderful Gulf Coast. I'm still trying to get used to everything I think I'm now just at a place where I know what I don't know. And so we're kind of getting, feel like the, the hurricane talk and stuff is something totally different than when I was living, you know, up north. It was like, oh, it's a cat five. Like, we'll, we'll get some pine trees down and stuff. And now, like down here, people like drink three sodas a day. But when hurricane season comes, they have to drink like a fish. So they take all the water out of like the grocery stores and stuff. I'm still trying to figure all that out. It's over in the Atlantic. So I'm trying to figure out coast life. Y'all can help me with that. But my wife and I, we moved down uh, just about in May. We're living over in the Iberville. We have a beautiful one-year-old baby girl who's keeping us on our toes. She's starting to walk. So y'all pray for us. Uh, we all the prayers, just send them our way because we don't know what we're doing. We don't have a, we don't have a clue. But God is good, and we are having the bl- a blast, the time of our lives with Henley Grace, and it's just an honor to be down here on the Gulf Coast to see what God is doing. And so I wanted to start the day off because I like to celebrate, I like to have fun, and so can we have fun together? Can we have a good time together? Awesome. Yeah, man, I'm excited about it. So here's what I want us to do. 
I want us to start off because we just talked about, you know, how God wants to move the mountains in our lives, right? And he wants to set us on a path. And so what I believe is that if we're truly going to believe God of what he has for us, then we have to believe and remember what he's done for us. Amen? And so here's what I want us to do together as we celebrate what God is doing here on the Gulf Coast. You know, uh, a few months back, about a year and a half ago, uh, God laid a vision on our pastor, Pastor Jeff's heart, to see a campus on the Gulf Coast. And I remember that conversation that we had together. We were sitting at dinner, and he was talking to us and saying, hey, we want you and Lauren to go lead the campus on the Gulf Coast. And I was like, oh, awesome, really excited about that opportunity. But there was one phrase that he used that I absolutely loved. He said, you were going in the coming days to have best friendships, friends and, and growth groups and people around your life that you never knew were headed your way. And I love that because it talks about the family of the Gulf Coast. There were friends that I did not yet know that I have now, and that's what I love. And so another thing that I want to celebrate is what God has been doing on the Gulf Coast since we launched 23 weeks ago at Easter. Today, we're going to be baptizing two people, which would put our total at eight people baptized who have given their lives to Jesus in 23 weeks. And that's incredible. That is exactly why God has placed us here. It's so that people far from God can come to know, love, and follow him. It's the reason why we do what we do. And we have, I have a really good friend. His name is Robert. He comes and he helps serve each week. And he told me a few weeks back when we brought uh, the baptistry down from Hattiesburg, he was like, you, you probably shouldn't send that back up. I was like, why is that, Robert? And like, is there something wrong with the truck? You know, is anything wrong? He's like, no, 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 you just need to keep it down here because we're going to need to use it every week for the number of baptisms that we're going to see. And that's the kind of faith that I love to see what God is doing through it. So we've seen eight baptisms. Check this out. We've had over 100 first-time guests come through our doors since Easter launch. And so that's been really cool to see how people all across our city are coming to hear about Venture and to connect in with what God is doing here through Venture Church on the Gulf Coast. So 100 first-time guests and something that I'm really excited about. For the very first time, we've seen over 50 people get connected through growth groups this fall. And so people are joining into community. And so I love the family that God is forming here on the Gulf Coast. I love what he's doing, but I want you to pray with me. Can we increase our faith today? Can we believe God for more? Can we believe that he has something for us on the Gulf Coast? Because that, I want to take you back to that dinner that Pastor Jeff and I had. And I remember so clearly and succinctly the way he stated the vision for the Gulf Coast. We were sitting down at dinner. And he was looking at me. He said, Blake, you know, God made Venture Church for the Gulf Coast. When we became Venture, he had the Gulf Coast in mind. There's 188,000 people here on the Gulf Coast who don't call any religion their own. Not just Christianity, any religion. And he said, I'm believing that we're not just going to have one campus on the Gulf Coast, but we're going to have multiple campuses across the Gulf Coast of people, thousands of people coming to know, love, and follow Jesus. And can I tell you that you're in the midst of that right now? As we look around this auditorium, here is what I'm believing. If you can just believe with me, let's open our eyes and see what God wants to do on the Gulf Coast. This pipe and drape is going to come down. The entire room is going to be filled with people singing praise to Jesus. Not just once, 
not twice, not three times, but multiple times on a Sunday. We are going to pack this place out of people who are proclaiming Jesus as the one true king and giving all glory and honor to him. And when we fill this building up so much that we can't fill it up anymore, we'll just go down the road and launch another campus. And we'll do it there multiple times. And then when that one gets too full, we'll split it again. And we'll see God reach thousands of people on the Mississippi Gulf Coast to come to know, love, and follow him. That's what it's all about. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, I know that's really exciting. You're like, Blake, I'm so far it. Like, I am here for it. You just don't even know. But how? Right? Isn't that always the question? Like, sometimes when we have big vision and we believe God that he's going to do great things, and we're like, yeah, that mountain's going to get out of here. It's like a molehill and, like, all of these different things. The question always comes to how. How is this going to happen? What is the next step? And so I want us to talk for just a few moments today about what the makings of a movement looks like when it comes to a movement of God. And I'm not just talking about across our church. I'm talking about individually in our own lives because here's something that I know. If we want to see thousands of people reached for the gospel of Jesus and we want to see Jesus be in the hearts of thousands of people across the Gulf Coast, here's one thing that I know, that a movement doesn't start with thousands. It begins with one heart. It begins with one person, one life at a time, one hand on hand, doing anything short of sin to reach one person for Jesus. And we start to see that happen in the book of Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. If you have your devices, go ahead and pull it up to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be reading in verses 1 through 10 together. And this is a story that I want us to take a look at because I really believe it can help us to see what God wants us to do on the coast. Because sometimes we can get so excited about vision. We can get so pumped about what God is doing that it can be really easy to forget about what's the next step. Like, what do we do next? You know, I like, I like talking. I like throwing my hands up. I like doing all this stuff. But what next, Blake? I believe in this story we can see that. We have Peter and John, two apostles, immediately after Pentecost. And so imagine this with me. You have Peter, John, the apostles, and they're living life, right? They've been living with Jesus. They've been seeing him do all these great things. God has been moving in their lives. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he's given them a mission. He says, go, therefore, unto all the nations, teaching them about me and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, Right? And so they get this charge, they get this mission, and then all of a sudden they're in the upper room. And they're like, what's next? What do do we do now? Jesus is gone. He's ascended. We have the Holy Spirit. It came through Pentecost. We saw a lot of people get saved. What now? What do we do when we have the mission, when we have the charge, but we don't know where to go? Even in our own lives, when we can be thinking to ourselves every now and then, we can be saying, man, I know what God's called me to do. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what God has on my life, but I don't know what to do next. It's always the next step. God, I know your, your, your word is a light into my feet and a lamp into my path, but I don't know where that next step needs to go. How do I take the next step? This is what Peter and John did. Y'all read with me in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says this, one day, somebody say one day. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him. 
Take note of that. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold? I don't have any of that. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, this man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he walked with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Today, I believe that God wants us to see the makings of a movement. He wants us to take the next level in our faith together here, not just as a campus, but as a people, individually. Will you all pray with me? Father, we, we pray that this word would speak to our hearts, that it would move our hearts, that it would move our spirits to align closer to you. And so that today that we would hear only your voice, not my voice, but the voice of you, Jesus, speaking to us, calling us into your way, a better way, a new life. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Has anybody ever been stuck? I'm talking like really, really stuck, like physically not able to move, kind of stuck. Has anybody ever been that way? There was this one time, so whenever we launched our Stone County campus, Stone County began as a portable church. They launched for 18 weeks in a cheer gym. It was really cool. The cheer gym had a lot of really neat stuff. It had like that really thick pad where people could go and do flips and stuff and backflips and all that. Then they had like the little mat that we would roll up and we'd push it over to the side and that's where we would set up church. But then over in the side over here in like the, the back right corner when you walked in was the foam pit. Does anybody know what I mean when I say foam pit? It was like this little jump thing, and it was like a big concrete pit that was open, and it had a bunch of foam in it. And so we were going in to one day, and we were um, setting up and getting ready, and I had had an energy drink, so I was feeling it. I was, it was like game on. I kind of had the eye of the tiger. And I had some friends with me. One of them is our campus pastor in Stone County, Tyler Eggers. And I, granted, to preface this story, the friends that are also in the story are a lot more athletic than I am. And so they were like over in the side, we had done finishing setting up, and they were running and jumping off the little diving board thing into the foam pit, scurrying out, and like it was just over and over. And they looked like they were having so much fun. It was awesome. And so I was like, you know what? I've had my energy drink, and I'm feeling good. I'm going to jump in the foam pit too. And so here I go. I'm backing up. I get ready to go. And land in the foam pit. But there was, a, there was a subtle difference that ended up changing the whole paradigm of what happened. So in that moment, when I landed in the foam pit, where all of my really athletic skinny friends were like landing softly on the foam and just like scurrying out, I sank all the way to the bottom. And I was like, what in the world is this? And so I'm like looking, and I'm like, this is not right. Like all the foam just compressed around me, and like there's red and blue all in front of my face. I can't breathe. I don't know what's happening. And so all of a sudden, like I'm just like, this is not like they were doing it. And so then I thought to myself, well, Blake, maybe, you know, you should have thought. Gravity has a bigger effect on you, bro. Come on. And so like I'm driving down, and all of a sudden I sink to the very bottom. And every time that I try to move and scurry, I would just sink deeper and deeper and deeper into this foam pit. And I couldn't get out. Ended up losing a shoe. 
and uh, had to have a friend actually go in and find it for me because I was not finding that shoe myself. And so I finally get to the point where I get to the wall. I get just right to the wall, and all I know to do is to stick my hand straight up, just straight up. I don't have, like, I'm still seeing blue. I don't know where I am. I don't even know what side of the foam pit I'm on. All I know is, like, I'm just saying, help, help, help. And what I realized later, like all my friends heard me, was saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. that's all they heard. And so they were like looking, trying to find me, and all of a sudden the hand comes straight up, and Tyler, thank goodness for him, I'd probably still have to be at the bottom of the pit today if it weren't for Tyler Eggers. So Jesus and Tyler Eggers, my saviors. And so he comes down, grabs my hand, and he just pulls me up. And man, I'll tell you, like I was like freedom whenever the foam Pit. So moral of the story here, it will connect, I promise, but the moral of the story is, Blake, don't go in a foam pit. So that's what I'm taking away from the story. But for you today, what, can you imagine what it's like to be stuck like this beggar? I'd imagine that the way that I felt in the foam pit, that helplessness, the, the feeling of not being able to get through, was the same way that the beggar felt in this story. You know, every single day, his friends would carry him to the temple gate called Beautiful, and they'd sit him down right there. Day after day, month after month, year after year after year, the same man sitting right here at the corner of the temple asking for change. And I bet it is the same feeling of hopelessness that he had. And it's the same feeling of hopelessness I feel like a lot of people here on the Gulf Coast have, is they don't know where to turn. They don't know where else to go. They'll get right up to the front door of the church and they'll ask for something that they think they need, but they'll never be invited in. Always skirting the edges. And so for us as a church, as for us collectively as a people, how do we engage? How do we begin to see a movement take place as a result of what Peter and John and what God wants us to do to people like this beggar that's on the outside? The first thing is this, is we anticipate the one day We anticipate the one day. You know, the funny thing about movements, about a miracle of God taking place in an area, a revival sweeping across the coast, they hardly ever begin on day one, but they do begin on a one day. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever you have happening, whatever season that you're in, maybe you're like, man, I feel like I've been just going at this for so long. I feel like the next thing is never coming. I feel like I started this journey years ago, but I don't know what's coming up next. Let me tell you this, that when it comes to God, it hardly ever begins on day one, but it does begin on a one day. So what do we do when we're waiting for that one day to occur? What do we do when we're waiting on God to move on that particular day? We do what Peter and John were doing. They were staying connected to the source. If you read at the very beginning, it says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. They were anticipating the movement of God. They were anticipating revival to come. And so they knew they had been told by Jesus himself that they had a mission. And so in the waiting, in the time that they were waiting for something to happen, they had active faith. Active faith. That's when they stepped out and they said, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when this movement's going to take place. We don't know when revival's going to happen. But this is what I know, that if I stay connected to the source, if I just keep going to the temple and I keep praying that God will reveal himself to me, God will reveal his purpose in my life, God will reveal his plan and what he would have for me to do. And so that's what Peter and John kept doing. They kept going to the temple. At 3 o'clock every day, they were going to the temple to pray. And that's what God is calling us 
to do in this season to build a foundation of faith. It's a foundation of faith that we're building right now. The things that we're going to see and we're believing God for, thousands of people coming to know, love, and follow him on the Gulf Coast begins with days like today where we form a foundation of faith and we continue to stay connected to the source and anticipate the one day. We're anticipating God to do a miraculous thing in our lives. Maybe it's the same for you. Maybe you're like, I don't know what's next. I'm tired. I'm worn out. But I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. Can you stay connected to the source? In the season of waiting for God to move in your life, in the one day that's occurring, there will be a one day. There will be breakthrough that comes. But in the midst of it, and check this out, on the way to it, is when Peter and John found the beginning of the revival. When they were on the way to church, when they were on the way to pray, and so in the middle of our monotony sometimes, God wants to provide a miracle. And hardly ever, check this out, hardly ever does the miracle have to do with us. It has to do with the people that we're serving. So if you want to see a miracle happen in your life, See an opportunity to provide a miracle in someone else's. And then God begins to shift things. The atmosphere begins to change. They anticipate the one day Peter and John are walking to church, and then they get to the place where the man was laid at the temple gate called Beautiful. We don't have time to go into that, but that is an incredible picture of God's grace of being laid right at the feet of Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so then they get to the place together where Peter and John are walking to the gate, and they see the man, and he lifts up his hand. And I love this. It says, Peter looks straight in. And when Peter and John, verse 3, were about to enter, he asked them for money. He asked them for a very logical thing. In that day and age, it was the only way for a beggar to get income. It was the only way for a beggar to buy bread was to sit at the gates of the temple and ask. But it was a very surface level need. It was an immediate need. He was solving the symptoms and not the source. He was getting things that would help him in the immediate time, but not in the long run. And that's so many people here in the Gulf Coast as well, I believe, is that people are trying to find quick fixes for their life. Don't we all do that? Can't we all try to find a quick fix for our lives, the thing that we think will get us through the immediate need, the thing that will help us right now, but we don't play the long game? And I think there's so many people on the Gulf Coast that are saying, man, I've done with quick fixes. I'm trying my best. I'm just sticking my hand out. But I love this. When Peter and John saw the man, Peter looked straight at him. He looked straight at him. And he's as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Look at us. And the picture here is so beautiful. Because in that culture, when a beggar was sitting at the temple gate, they would sit right at the temple gate just like this. They would sit, and they'd turn their heads, and they'd hold their hands up just like this. Because in this culture, a beggar could not look at someone of a higher class, even a working class person, because of the distance and expectation gap there was between people. The beggar was not good enough to look in the eyes of someone who was going into the temple. And so they would turn their head and just pray. They would look and see if feet were coming. And if feet were coming by, they'd hold up their hands and say, can I have some change, please? Can I have something, please? And in that moment, 
the moment that Peter recognizes the beginning of a miracle, Peter did something that no one else had ever done for this beggar in his life. He said, look at me. And slowly the beggar turns his face and looks at the man who is about to change his life forever. How many people on the Gulf Coast, how many people in this city, how many people in this room have spent the entirety of their lives wondering when somebody was going to say, look at me? For so long, they have been passed by. They have been overlooked. They have been overshadowed. They've sat at the door of the church itself, and nobody has bothered to see them. Nobody has bothered to look their way. And not only did Peter come by to the beggar and say, and look straight at him, but he says, look at me. And so that's the same thing that we're going to do as a church. I want you to hear me today that the overlooked, the overshadowed, the downtrodden, the overcasted, anybody who has ever felt like they've never been good enough in this city and their family in their households has a place here in this church. Every time that we go to the doors and we open up, no matter who walks into this room, I want you to hear today that at the Gulf Coast Campus Adventure Church, the only thing that we have to say to anyone who walks in our doors is welcome home. Welcome home. Because they are worth it. Every single person is worth it. And so that's what Peter does. He says, look at me. And in that moment, they connect eyes, and it becomes a human interaction. It's no longer a transactional occurrence. It's no longer just tossing change. They are invested at this point. And we should be invested in what God has for us. We acknowledge the eyes of the people around us. You want to see a miracle take place in your life? Start seeing other people around you as people. Start finding ways to meet needs. Start connecting with people in their lives. Hear their stories. Ask them about what's going on because there's a different story for every seat in this room. And God wants us to connect and to lock eyes with people. And it's at that point, Peter says to this. He says, he looked straight at him. And so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. He was expecting something, but he didn't realize that he was about to get something completely different. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. I don't have that. He said, but what I do have, I give to you freely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, there's something funny about this moment with Peter, and I can just imagine what this was. Because in the beginning, we talked about how in the one day, they were building a foundation of faith. But then Peter comes in and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And, you know, it can be really easy to think, oh, he's just saying Jesus' name because he knew him. He talked to him. He was used to him. That's not it. This is the thing that happened. Do you guys remember back in Matthew where Jesus is with the disciples and he says to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And the disciples look at him and like, well, some of us think you're a prophet. Some of us think you're Elijah. Some of us think you're Elisha or maybe even Moses. You know, we really don't know. And then he looks at Peter, who was Simon at the time, and he says this, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, I believe that you're the son of God, the one true king. And Jesus says, it is well that you say that and it is good because on this word, on this rock, your name is now Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. 
And it's with that remembrance, I can almost imagine Peter recalling that moment where he proclaimed Jesus as the one true king. And so now he's in this moment with the beggar and he's saying, Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his name in the name of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who saved me, the one who I have seen go over and beyond for me again and again, the one that I watched die and raise from the dead, ascend into heaven. It's in his name that I now tell you to rise up and walk. It's we give and assist, but I love this. Peter doesn't just speak it to the man. He kneels down, and he grabs him by the hand, and he pulls him up. That is the moment where God begins to change lives. We don't just speak it to people. We show love. We don't just say we care for people. We actually care for people. We tie it with active faith. And that's exactly what Peter's story is because I can just imagine the foundation of faith that he had in his life was enough to transcribe it into someone else's life, to speak it over his pain, to speak it over his season, to speak it over his illness and his capacity to not even be able to walk. And so all of a sudden things change for the man as soon as he grabs Peter's hand. So I don't know what your story is today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But here's something that I do know. I do know this. That movements, they don't begin with a handout. But they do begin with a hand up. And if you want to see God do immeasurably more in your life, beyond anything you could ever hope or imagine, before anything that you could ever see, step down. Acknowledge the eyes of someone around you and give them a hand up and say, hey, the best is still ahead for you. There's a better season ahead. You may have thought you were asking for this. You may have thought this is what you needed. You may have thought that this is the thing that would get you through, but I'm here to give you a better word, a better future, a better hope, and his name is Jesus. That's the message of the Gulf Coast campus. That's the message of Jesus That's the message of Venture Church. When you come in to this room today, if you are sitting in a blue seat today, there is one message that you need to know. That Jesus Christ is the only hope. And he is a good, good king. And he has a great plan and a great purpose for your life. And that no plan can be thwarted that Jesus has for you. And that your best days are still ahead. And that's the message we are going to get out to people of the Gulf Coast, all across the Gulf Coast, from the pass to the kill, all the way over to Goche, all the way over to Pascagoula, wherever it is, people are going to hear Jesus Christ is king, that he has your best days still ahead of you. And when you come to Venture Church, the answer is welcome home. We're excited that you're here because you are dignified, you have purpose, you have a place, and that place is here. We're going to be just like Peter and John. We're anticipating a movement of God. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want us to believe together that there is more ahead. And I want us to believe together that God has people lined up in our path as we're headed to church, as we're headed to pray, as we're headed into our calling and into our purpose, that there are individual appointments that God has lined up in our lives to see miracles happen. And one miracle happens, and we're like, praise God, thank you so much. Another miracle happens in the beginning, then this starts to happen. The man gets up, walks 
walks and praises God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging. They were like, man, that was the guy that used to sit at the front of the temple. That was the guy that used to sit down and he was crossing his legs. He was never talking to anybody. He was just asking for change. Wouldn't look for anyone. What is he doing up and walking around? And at the very end, they said that they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If you want to see a movement take place in your life on the Gulf Coast, then begin to look at people and give them a hand up and say, hey, the best is still ahead. The best is still ahead in your life. And the thing that you thought you needed, I'm here to tell you, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have is a hope that compares beyond anything else. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. And so today, I don't know what your story is, but I can pretty much guarantee that you're in one of two places. Maybe for some of us, we're in a place of trying to occupy what even is our calling? What is our purpose? What do we need to be doing? I believe in Jesus. I love him. I have a relationship with him, but I want so badly to know what's next. Maybe that season is really, really dark for you. Maybe you don't know where to turn or what to do or where you need to go. Can I tell you to stay connected to the source? Can I tell you to stay connected into what God is doing and say, okay, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I'm going to keep making steps toward you. I'm going to keep attending church. I'm going to keep bringing my family to church. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep standing in the gap for my family. I'm going to keep seeking your heart and my purpose. And every little thing that I do, I'm going to try to see you. Maybe that's you. Now, maybe you're in the room today and you came in. You really don't even know why. But you resonated with the beggar. You resonated with that feeling of, I don't know where to turn. Every time that I try to ask for something, I'm turning my head. Every time I try to talk with someone, it seems like they're looking two inches above my, my head. I, I don't know where to turn. Can I tell you, you have a home here? That we are a church for the unchurched. People who are far from God. And there's nothing that we do to turn away. But together as a church family, can we believe can we make a covenant together that in four years when thousands of people are singing Christ's praises because of what God is doing through Venture Church, we'll come back and remember this moment together and we'll believe that the foundations of faith started here. I'm going to ask everyone to stand across the room. We're going to sing in expectation. We're going to believe. Let this be a declaration to you today. Let this be something that you can lift up. We're going to lift him up. Whatever your mountain is, can you just praise it away? Whatever's going on in your life. We pray this over our city. We're praying that God would do it again. So come on, church. Can we sing this together? Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.